Chapter 33 Go to Sleep Mary's words come back to me. Deeper, she said. Too deep. That same alien air, the sense of having arrived somewhere not meant for me. If this isn't the cave I visited that night with Miri, it is certainly carved from the very same variety of wrongness. The outside gray light gives nothing away. Only a few steps in and I can barely see my hand. Very, very dark. Haruki was right about that. But the smell, not so much. There is nothing sweet here. The air has a living aroma, hard to place. Something close to morning breath, like the warm and stinky yawn of a long dream. A bad one. I want to get out of here. Del feels differently. He wants to explore. Echo! We wait for his sonar to rattle around and return. Again, Echo! But it doesn't. Like a stone over smooth water, Dell's scream skips away, then sinks. Gone. Cause and effect. Action, reaction. My sensory expectations are basic, not a lot to ask. The disappointment is scary. One more time. Echo! Same. Disappeared into its own dissolve. That does not sound right, assesses Dell. Sammy agrees. This calls for an expensive LED torchlight. He turns it on. The bulbs flash one quick strobe, then burst, illuminating nothing. Piece of shit. Sia tries hers. Same result. Haruki next. The same. Bad batch, perhaps. Suddenly, a lightning storm measures up desirably and arranged laterally from the entrance, me closest, we line dance one step back, readying to get the heck out of here. But the cave has other plans. Our little rainy light leaks away and the mouth closes behind us, covered by a fresh coat of black. Pitch dark. We're trapped. The shock of it is short-lived. A glitteriness a glow, the cave comes to life. Tiny dots like distant stars twinkle from all directions. They seem a million mirage miles from me, warping, wobbling, and breathing their shape away. The view is a stuttering sight, which my eyes cannot translate. It's a punch in the occiput. Immediately, I'm off balance, nauseous, I drop to my hands and knees, eyes closed, about to lose my teriyaki jerky all over Miri's face. Keep it together, Remy. I keep it together. Deep breaths. My stomach stays inside itself. I need to see something that makes sense, so I open my eyes again. A poor decision, unrewarded. The same bottomless star pool is below me, waving, wobbling, nothing in between, not Miri, not my own body. Everything is swimming. I'm a guppy in a painted ziplock rolling down a staircase. My eyes attest, stomach too, but my hands and knees disagree. They promise solid ground beneath me. I can feel it. My chest says it's pressed to Miri's. My tactile input is a solemn oath. 
You are hands and knees connected with a rough cave floor. A body is strapped to you, we swear it. My peepers are exquisite liars. You are floating in star-warped black and about to vomit. I select the easier truth and shut my eyes tight. I call out, is everyone okay? The illusion diversifies. Auditory now. Is everyone okay? My words. I make the sounds. Feel them leave my mouth. But the voice is not mine. It's Sia's. I'm speaking in Sia's voice. And the source is thrown. It finds my ears as if shouted from nowhere close. I try again. Hello? Is everyone here? Same result. My words in Sia's voice returned from very far. That isn't me. I'm not talking. Haruki's voice. But I can hear Sia in it. I know my sister's intonations, especially her upset ones. That's not me. Having heard Haruki instead of herself, and herself when she hadn't spoken, understandably, Sia begins to freak out. That isn't my voice. That isn't me. Haruki again. Ruki? Obviously, Sammy, but the sound is Dell's. Where are you, Ruki? Blah, 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 blah. That's not me. I can't see my hands. Blah. Are you still holding Miri Emma? That's not my fucking voice. Where are you? They come in checkerboard volley, moving in all directions, arriving from all distance of remove. It's making my mind hurt, and the smell is not helping. That same morning breath, a fart-warm and yawning dream that needs to go brush its teeth. This can't go on. One for all, I seek to initiate a buddy system. Locomotion of palms and patella, Eyes closed and dragging Miri along, I crawl to my right, hoping to bump into someone. The cave floor is rough. My hands, Miri's back and arm not faring well. I continue to crawl too far. No one is there. They've followed the voices and we are all spread out. I know it. I picture my friends blind and crawling off in the black. I can still hear them screaming. They're terrified. So am I. They have to stop talking. We have to figure this out. In full volume of my little sanity, I request these things. Everyone, please, be quiet. Not my voice, not Sia's, but Miri's. Miri's voice fills the air. The entire space is one throat. The sound is everywhere. Everyone hears. Yolandi for the first time. Everyone is quiet now. I open my mouth again. Miri? My wife asking herself a question as if she's forgotten her own name. I'm magic. I'm powerful. That's what I feel. Evolved in this stink black cave, I become something else. I am a one man seance with a full script of regrets. I get going. Remy. How sweet the sound. I love you, Remy, and I forgive you. My wife forgives me. My heart swells big enough to snap its stitches. 
You're my Remy, and I love you. Such heavenly ventriloquism. I'm saying all the right things. I want you here with me. I need you with me, Remy. I need to be with you always. I feel the same, Miri. Of course I feel the same. You have to die, Remy. I need you to die. Will you die for me? Need not even ask. Please die for me. Please die. Please die. Please die. The words are an abbreviated couplet, the best poem I've ever written. Such neurotic satisfaction to the form, they feel perfect in my mouth. I can't stop repeating them. Louder and louder. Please die. Please die. Mary's screams into her own dead ear are a retroactive prophecy self-fulfilled most successfully. Please die. Please die. I'm possessed. I'm the ghost of Miri. Please die. Please die. Something grabs me. A hand clutches my shoulder. Another covers my mouth. I can't stop screaming. Please die. Miri's words come choked. A two-handed muzzle locks over my mouth. Remy, it's okay. Yolandi's voice, gentle, scared. There to help. She's found me in the dark. It's okay. But it's not. It is not okay. My head is unhinged and my soul is floating out. All I want to do is make the sound. Please die. All I want is to do what's being asked of me. Please die. Yolandi seals my mouth. The words don't have room anymore and I swallow them. They burn inside me. It all hurts so much. Yolandi removes her hands and uses them to hold me. I lean back to sitting and Yolandi holds both of us, me and Miri. All three of our heads rest against the others. Yolandi tightens her arms around us, stroking Miri's hair, stroking mine. She begins to sing softly. All my life I searched for you. From dawn to dawn, the nights were long. The moon was all I knew. I recognize the melody faintly. Yolandi is singing us a lullaby. She removes her hand from me and gives both to Miri, holding her, petting her. I kept my faith. I did, somehow, that you would be returned to me. And here you are, right now. My insanity becomes Yolandi's. No longer present, but lost in a dream, she drops the words and keeps humming. Same melody over and over, stroking Miri's hair. I open my eyes and the spell is broken. Sight returns, voice is once again my own. There is ground beneath me and the cave has taken shape. Scorched by such harsh betrayal, my senses are reluctant to trust again. I blink my eyes and touch fingertips together, reintroducing reality, easing it back in. Slowly, I return. Yolandi hums on. The cave is a difficult geography to believe, sized impossibly large, as if the full mountain has hollowed to it. There is no ceiling. 
Ascending blackly, walls simply vanish in the height. A glow flutters through the space. It dances, sourceless and coming from nowhere, washing the cave like light through moving water and painting the circumference of our stone cage, a roughly circular radius of 300 yards. There is one opening. On the far side from where I sit, walls fold away through the well of a massive tunnel. Its unlit jaws breathe nothing but shadow. I can't see a thing inside. Positioned closest to its start, about 200 yards out from Yolandi and me, 100 yards from Sia, Haruki, and Brad's kneeling cluster, Sammy and Dell peer into the dark. Dell is of a truly resilient build. Tough stuff. Only moments ago reprieved from so debilitating a mind fuck, the small warrior is up, ready for spelunking. A path is laid clear. Fortune smiles upon us. He offers Sammy a hand. We gather our party and proceed, yes? Poor Sammy did lose his jerky. Skittles, too. A meat-flavored rainbow is puddled in chunks beside him, a little left on the chin. He refuses Dell's hand, passing on the lift. Still seated. You gotta slow down, brah. I'm not there yet. He rubs his eyes, rubs his temples, trying to get the stars out, trying to make Miri's echo be quiet. Yolandi's humming fills the cave. Please tell that hag to shut up. Hear, hear. Not so rudely, but I do second that motion. Yolandi, please. She's still holding Miri's hand. I touch her hand. Yolandi! But she is fully immersed in her own personal elsewhere. A tune on her lips, a calm expression behind closed eyes. Whatever her locale, it appears to be an upgrade from this stinky cave. And speaking of... A foul stench upon the air! Del gives a sniff. It thickens. Another sniff. And there lies the source. He moves closer to the tunnel. Halfway between Del and me, Brad stands up. Still off balance, he trips and falls back down. No one helps him. It's very nice. Del approaches the tunnel's mouth. Fingering his hatchet, he edges in. Smells of late-night poots beneath bedsheets. Another careful step inside, alert, ready for anything. Show yourself! I know you're in there! Now standing, Sammy wipes the color from his chin. Del, don't do that. Del does that. Heavy odor is easy game. Do not force me to hunt! Del moves deeper in. You will answer this warrior's command. Now show yourself, animal. Answer, indeed. Tunnel plays throat to cave's gaping mouth as a groaning yawn pulls and scratches its way from the shadows. The sound is a frustrated temperature. Warm, moist, spritzing the cave with ripe musk of gingivitis. The struggle between jerky and gravity resumes. Del pinches his nose and moves a wise retreat, exiting the darkness to rejoin Sammy. Wake up, the tunnel is speaking. Go to sleep.
the voices more conscience than sound. Like a slanted guidance perched on my shoulder, a conflicted cricket in a crawl space beneath my brain. Wake up, it says. Go to sleep. I tell myself I'm imagining this. Remy, you're imagining this. I'm wrong. Two dots of green catch fire in the tunnel's depth. Open eyes. Wake up. The entire cave rattles to its weight. One foot, then another crashing down. Go to sleep. The animal is coming. Bro, Sammy gives a tug to Del's bearskin. It's time we bounce. Another tug. Del, come on. Tactical retreat. Del takes a loaded moment to ponder, weighing shame to safety on a warrior's scale. The stomping grows louder and the balance tips true. Wise counsel. The two waste no time, and with a last look back, Del sees what it is he's running from. Larger than my dream, tentacles show first, quickly followed by everything. Wake up. Full gallop of a singular stampede, the dreamkeeper comes crashing from the dark. Dell and Sammy appear slow motion to the fast mass tracking behind them. They're easily overtaken. I watch as my friends are gathered and wound, one tentacle apiece, lassoed face to toe and tossed up like spinning ragdolls to the cave's black sky. They don't come down. The animal does not break stride. Go to sleep. Haruki screams like a woman, a high-frequency heartbreak. He rushes toward the bodiless bottom of the cave floor where Sammy should have landed. His path is impeded by a charging mastodon and his self scooped in similar fashion. The animal keeps hold of Haruki while chasing down Sia and Brad, both aimed full sprint to Yolandi and me, by far the fastest pair of our party and still no match. The Dreamkeeper has them. Three at a time, they're spun away like tops to the bottomless sky, gone in the black heights. Yolandi and I are left alone. She continues to hum. There's no rush here. The elephant takes its time. One easy step to the next, and the animal is upon us. My seated body is toe-sized, and I am nothing to this creature. I look up. Its eyes are living emeralds. Tentacles swim like a kelp forest all about Yolandi and me. They touch us. They slide along Miri's skin. They pet Yolandi as she sings. Morning breath, the scent of a very dark dream collects like hot dew on my arm hairs. Its mouth slowly opens. Wake up, says the dreamkeeper, and our bodies are pulled in. Go. says the dreamkeeper, and its jaw closes behind. Consumed and swallowed whole, my life goes silent. No thoughts, just a song.
a faint lullaby hummed in reverse, dancing backward through my tiny history.